is up fantasy people welcome back to the true north fantasy pod we are presented by monkey knife fight i of course am trav we are coming live from the true north fantasy lair tonight as always sitting directly to my left crushing a hey y'all saying hey y'all to the people co-hosting and west coasting is tyrell mclaughlin how you doing tonight brother doing good it is a weekday so yeah hey y'alls are uh in order you know stay light stay light yeah, keep her light on uh on a tuesday night yeah, i think they might have caffeine in them too so that's always necessary yeah we're doing time because yeah. we do some late night records peek behind the curtain but, absolutely uh, breaking the fourth wall right mm-hmm, yeah it's, mm-hmm. uh, but doing well doing well yeah it's about 20 to 10 on tuesday night we're just about to kick it into high gear go ahead ty beautiful beautiful Pacific time too so absolutely. you know the east coasters this is just like, about one in the morning for you folks literally wednesday snoozing snoozing so yeah i said we are uh of course presented by our friends over at monkey knife fight that promo code is tnff and you'll get an instant match on your first deposit up to 100 of course you can find our work at truenorthffb.com that is the site the socials are truenorthffb on twitter and uh instagram and true north fantasy football on the facebook uh, so please go check us out there we love uh, interacting with the people so check out the site hit us up on the socials and uh, we'd love to interact it's uh you know coming into the off season dynasty time and it's uh, a big time for us to reset and refocus and a big time to make sure we're focused and you know subscribed to the best resources and you know fantasypoints.com is by far and away my favorite resource mm-hmm. and we are very proud members of the fantasy points media group and they have their ridiculously good uh early bird special on right now for 2022 subscriptions and yeah process is the name of the game uh for us i would yeah. say and for fantasy football uh aficionados so part of the process is having the best resources at your disposal, having the best information delivered by the best people in the industry who are also co-owners at fantasypoints.com. Yeah. So they're invested in this product. You don't have to fall in love with an analyst just to see him move on to another team. And uh, fantasypoints.com has a really good 100%. early bird special. Everyone should be taking advantage of uh, before it's too late. Before it's too late. Yeah, you definitely got to check that out. Another peek behind the fourth wall as well. There's like a Discord group for the Fantasy Points Media Group. And a friend of the show, Scott Barrett, said he's really excited last week of his DFS content that he's doing. And we all know uh, if you checked out Scott Barrett's content that he writes some incredible pieces and will definitely make you some money on the DFS front. So, um, yeah, go check that out this week and make some money in uh, the final week to to get that content. It's... uh, it's a fun week for us. We're always kind of, we were talking before the show, we're always usually a little bit hyped up for this week. It is running back week at the True North Fantasy Pod. Last week, we did the quarterback state of the union, and uh, it's really fun to get into that now as well with the rise of the Superflex format. But we're getting into running backs. Um, in my opinion, the most important position in fantasy football. And we're going to look at a bunch of players who kind of have been at the top of the running back ranks and some players who are looking to kind of cement themselves as kind of the new cream of the crop as far as uh, the top of drafts with running back. And I think that's a good place for us to start here, Ty, because the top of the draft this season was a bit of a graveyard. There were injuries and, of course, the dirty Rona running rampant all across the NFL. Uh, Definitely brought those zero RB truthers to the forefront, Mm -hmm. uh, letting us know that 
shouldn't be investing at the top of the draft in the running back position. I'm not so sure I'm there yet, but I'm curious to hear what you think, Ty, because is it like, are we still going to be seeing these running back heavy first rounds of drafts? Or do you think uh, the market kind of might shift a little bit towards these young wide receivers like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, putting up massive numbers? Uh, or are you still going to be probably investing early in the running back position, being that it's a little bit more scarce and harder to find that big production? Well, I think my answer is running back zero RB is still viable. It always has been. I mean, we've had down years, I would say it's not the most viable strategy, but it's still Mm -hmm. viable. And I think it's uh, about attacking right, not going to the running back position too early when you decide to execute Mm -hmm. a zero RB strategy. You have to make sure you really stockpile in the mid to late rounds, which makes you limited in what you can do in that draft. Uh, So there's pros and cons to doing zero RB. Usually it's a team that will fall into your lap where you just select an elite tight end and maybe three elite wide receivers who fall to you in that position. And all of a sudden you have a zero RB team on your hands. So I think it's still viable. I think this year was no exception. And, uh, you know, the running back position is just going to always be super, super volatile. Right. And, uh, like, you know, to get to what you were saying earlier, like, I'm really excited for this episode just because we get to talk about running back needy teams, situations to get on top of. We're going to talk about upcoming free agents. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a bunch of them, too. Uh, but we're going to hit, like, a bunch of the most important tough call running backs uh, heading into 2022. There's lots to talk about. And it all comes back to that there's lots of uncertainty ahead at the running back position. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of musical chairs to take place. So, um it's interesting because it's arguably the most volatile position in fantasy football, but it kind of continues to be uh, one of the most expensive positions to pay up for in fantasy as well. And like you said, we have to take them at the top of the draft and I don't see that changing. I think it'll still be pretty uh, yeah. running back heavy uh, drafts in, in dynasty redraft, best ball, whatever, whatever format you're in. Some of the hit rates, actually, I was I was pulling them here. Uh, let me just pull them up. So only two of the top 12 running backs in average draft position this year uh, where they were selected in fantasy drafts played in every game this season. Zeke and Antonio Gibson. Everyone else missed games. We know Antonio Gibson was pretty uh, pretty hobbled, too, at yeah, that point in the sure. season. So why zero RB is, vol- is, is viable still and why, you know, just to relate it to the quarterback position, which we just covered last week, late round quarterback is no longer viable. That's an adjustment every fantasy gamers had to make over the last few years. But at the running back position, even this year, we saw that six running backs drafted outside the top 10 at the running back position finished top 10 in PPR scoring. Mm-hmm. Najee, Mixon, and Gibson were all drafted pretty close to that cutoff, but uh, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Cordell Patterson, those guys were all drafted much later, finished no as top 10 running backs. Eight of the top 20 running backs had ADPs below 20th at the running back position. Seven of 12 running backs drafted top 12, finished top 12. 16 of 24 running backs drafted top 24, finished top 24. So you still have yeah. to hit on these running backs later in drafts. I think yeah. that is the big takeaway. And uh, like just to rattle some of these off, like among the top 12 running backs, eight of them were drafted in the top 17 picks. So these are still very expensive players that are paying off. I think Josh Jacobs went late in round three. He was the only running back to finish uh, top 12 drafted in rounds three to seven. So we talk about the running back dead zone. That's something we've heard from a lot of other podcasts and people we respect have talked about it like Jack Miller, for instance, uh, for years. And it's been kind of a secret cheat code for fantasy football it's definitely become more universally embraced, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the running back dead zone was in full effect this year with Josh <laughs> Jacobs kind of being the only hit from rounds three to seven there. Um, 
you know, running back twos were a little bit different, but I just, you know, to hop back there, like James Connor, Leonard Fournette, they went in like rounds eight. Yeah. Uh, Cordell Patterson was basically undrafted by, by ADP. So like outside the top 300 and overall ADP uh, running back twos kind of came from everywhere this year, just for the record, like only three of them were drafted in the top 16 picks. Uh, only Daryl Williams was drafted later than 130th overall. So you have running back twos that you were kind of able to hit on in those mid to, uh, you know, arguably late rounds. They can like Damian Harris, AJ yeah. Dillon, guys like that. For sure. Um, but yeah, Daryl Williams and Devin Singletary were the only RB twos drafted outside the round seven. So to sum this up, the running back dead zone was in full effect these running backs were still expensive and that's the only place you could really get these high end performances from. We could still get some top 10, top 12 performers from outside ADP, but you really have to hit on those guys. And Mm -hmm. it's still hard to hit on these guys. I would say. Yeah. So kind of what you're saying is that the math lays out that you're talking about process and like the process in taking these running backs high is still good because the way it checks out is a majority of them are still going to hit at that level And you can be happy in the process that you took those guys in giving yourself some of that roster flexibility to recover at that position. Like you take a running back in the first round, you hit on a bunch of these wide receivers in that dead zone. And then you get some, you get a James Conner and a Leonard Fournette, then you're absolutely laughing, even if that top running back goes down. So I think there's a bunch of different ways to play it. And I, I definitely would still be going running back at the top of the first round. But I think there is a little bit more merit in looking at those young wide receivers and just trusting in yourself to hit on those running backs. Like my boy, Devin Singletary, right, Ty? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's where I could talk about points per game a bit, right? Because points per game is always a bit of a different story. The average draft position correlates with higher fantasy performances, especially in a points per game setting because these running backs miss time, but that lends to the volatility of the position. Mm -hmm. And just to relate it to the quarterback position, because I I made a pretty bold statement saying late round quarterback is no longer viable. And I really, truly believe that if you look at the top 13 quarterbacks in average draft position, they all finish top 16 at the position. They all finish top 15 in points per game. Uh, Top five quarterbacks in ADP all finished top nine in points per game. The top five quarterbacks were all drafted in the top seven rounds this season. So overall and in points Mm -hmm. per game, by the way. And the top seven quarterbacks are all drafted in the first eight rounds of fantasy drafts. Top 10 quarterbacks all drafted in the top 10 rounds of fantasy drafts this year. Hmm. Not a single quarterback drafted outside the top 13 quarterbacks in average draft position went on to finish top 10 this year. So that's a, and I think it was, Joe Burrow, who was like nice. barely outside of the top 100. Like he For went sure. pretty high in a lot of uh, best ball drafts that I, uh, that I went in. I think Kirk cousins was the only, uh, he was drafted as like the quarterback 19 in round like 12 or something less than like three rounds later than the quarterback 11, just to give you a context of that fat tier of quarterbacks after these elite quarterbacks that we've kind of identified. Uh, and he was the only quarterback to finish top 12 with an average draft position of quarterback 14 or lower. Hmm. Uh, so really you start to see that late round running back or whatever, like zero RB is kind of viable because of a lot of the other pieces that you can add to your team, like these elite wide receivers, like an elite quarterback and you're on your way for sure. For sure. So 
want to keep going, keep rolling on this show sheet tie because our running back show sheets are always pretty fat because there's just so much to talk about. So definitely if there's some stuff we don't get to, leave us a comment and let us know what you want us to get to for the running back position. And we'd love to do some more running back stuff throughout the off season, but uh, we're going to keep it rolling. We talked a little Devin Singletary and depending on what you think of Devin Singletary, Buffalo could be a team that comes into the running back market next year and provide the situation that we like for running backs. Uh, of course, that begs the the question situation versus talent and how do you kind of weigh each of those when you're trying to evaluate these dynasty assets. Um, and Devin Singletary, fortunately, um, I think he's a talented player and his situation got a lot better towards the end of the season, right? Obviously not on a points per game basis necessarily, but he had some big, big games for us. But I'm going to run down some of these teams, Ty, and you just tell me what situations you like and uh, what what you think provides the best for some of these running backs. So obviously Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette, you talked about it, had a big season in Tampa Bay. We love that backfield with Tom Brady there, of course. Uh, Seattle has provided a ton of carries for running backs previously. Rashad Penny looked unstoppable down the stretch <laughs> for fantasy gamers, probably won people some titles. Uh, Atlanta with Cordero Patterson putting up some points. Houston, obviously, there's going to be a lot of change there. And it was really a, a rough backfield to try and invest in this season. And then you got teams like Miami and Arizona, which obviously provide some really nice work for the running back position as well. Um, so what do you think about the free agent landscape and, and some of these landing spots that look kind of juicy for these guys? Yeah, there's like we said off the top of the show, there's going to be some musical chairs for sure. And a lot of those teams you ran down have really interesting things to follow. You have Leonard Fournette as a UFA. I believe Gio Bernard as well. Yeah. Maybe they have something Keyshawn Vaughn here. We'll monitor that throughout the <laughs> yeah, playoffs. Maybe. Yeah. And, Hard uh, maybe, yeah. But one thing we should say is that, you know, even if Keyshawn Vaughn looks primed for a role in one month, he's probably a sell-high candidate as so long as Bruce Arians is there, in my opinion. Like, Big we time. know how much he loves veteran running backs. Speaking of which, we have the Seattle Seahawks. We have Rashad Penny, who I love. He is a free agent, you know, yeah. and what could he garner on the open market? Very interesting to uh, to think about that. And, you know, are Seattle Seahawks uh, front office folks ready to just let him walk out the door yeah. after the investment they've made and finally seeing it uh, come to fruition a little bit here down the stretch because so he funny. certainly looked like that elusive back coming out of San Diego State that we liked and – uh you know, might have to look up some draft visits for Rashad Penny. See there what you teams go. We're yeah, I know you in. love yeah. doing some of that. Yeah. Um, some coach yeah, interviews. <laughs> these are interesting teams. I mean, the, the Falcons are definitely one that stands out with Cordell Patterson being a free agent as well. Arizona, uh, that's a situation I really like because Tampa Bay situation I like, Seattle situation I like, Atlanta situation I like, Buffalo, not a situation I like. So yeah. long as Josh Allen is taking a bulk of goal line carries, uh, so long as he's limiting the uh, market share to the running back position and Zach Moss and Singletary will probably be there. Right. So I, uh, I'm not sure Buffalo's the the one I'm looking at. Houston's probably not ready to take that step into uh, being a situation. we like, will Miami continue to be so pass heavy, like letting mm -hmm. their passing game set up their running game instead of the other way around. Will but, two would be their quarterback. Yeah. Going into the next yeah. season. Kind of has to be, I would say. But, I think so. Uh, yeah. The Cardinals are probably the one that I'm most interested in. Could James Conner and the team run it back and they let Eno Benjamin take Chase Edmonds' role? Uh, that That's definitely a possibility. So the Cardinals is the situation I really like. Tampa Bay definitely monitoring Seattle. Like we saw Carson was like the running back 27 in points per game. Penny was like running back 24, 25 in points per game and obviously dominated down the I think he was the RB1 yeah. during the fantasy football playoffs. So there's lots of those to look at. Um Maybe I'll just look at these. So, so I'm looking at the uh, the top 
unrestricted free agent running backs heading into this offseason. We have Leonard Fournette, the Arizona backs, and James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Cordell Patterson, Rashad Penny, we mentioned. Daryl Williams, what do you think he does? I think Derek Gore might be a free agent. I don't have yeah, honestly no fucking idea what Derek <laughs> Gore's deal is, but uh, I imagine he's uh, up up this year just by his age. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. And like, I think Daryl Williams, he's definitely an, an interesting one because he's uh, one of those guys who has flashed really big in this Kansas City offense. I think he would probably be best suited to go back to Kansas City, to be honest. I think that's been a very comfortable situation for him. He's gained the trust of Andy Reid, obviously. I think if he were to go somewhere else and be maybe like the 1A to a 1B, I think he might be one of those guys, almost similar to like Damian Williams when he left Kansas City. Everyone was hyping him up. Maybe not Daryl Williams going up in like third rounds like Damian was necessarily, but um, I think it, uh, it he could be a guy who I think would be better suited in the Kansas City offense than going and being a 1A elsewhere. Uh, but I know you've uh, he's been a, a little bit of a heartthrob previously as a Kansas City running back for you, Ty. And uh, so what's your belief in him as somebody who could take on like a majority workload for a backfield? Well, the the depressing thing is I don't I think he is probably going to end up back in Kansas City, but I think that just lends to why we should be a little apprehensive with Clyde Edwards Lair, yeah. uh third year breakout kind of uh, narrative that could could build because Daryl Williams will see the two minute drill off it like he's he's mm-hmm. in an advantageous role in the best offense in football. And all he needs is an injury in front of him to kind of really have those explosive weeks. And that's why he made for such a good, that's why he's one of my highest own players in best ball this off season. But mm-hmm. Daryl Williams is somebody who I don't see going to a team and taking on a huge role anywhere. Yeah. He'll probably be in that third down role uh, for the rest of his time. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like Daryl Williams and he's a, he's a terrific backup running back for an NFL team. And I, yeah, I think it's probably Derek Gore who gets replaced in this, like uh, someone who can spell on early downs for Clyde Edwards there or maybe around the goal line. Yeah, and it's interesting to see because when Daryl Williams gets the shot, when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is down in that offense, Daryl Williams usually pops. But when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is getting those 13 to 17 touches a game, he's not giving us that consistency that Daryl Williams is. So yeah, I think uh, that was really well said that I think he'll just stay there and he'll be one of those really good, talk about it, zero running back, talk about, adding guys like Daryl Williams in these high powered offenses who are just a couple of notches away from getting that shot and being viable targets. And I think his profile is like a good example of a player you should be taking as your RB five or RB six in a draft, especially in a best ball draft. Uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting because it's also the other end of that. Like, I don't want to get rose colored glasses as they say, because, <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's possible they want to upgrade on Daryl Williams. The offense definitely did much worse over the last two seasons now mm-hmm. uh, without Clyde Edwards Elaire in the lineup. And, you know, we talk about running backs don't matter in situation over talent 99% of the time. And that's true, but Clyde Edwards Elaire can definitely make a difference uh, and, and has, I guess, whether it's, you know, an anomaly or not statistically right now. Uh, some other guys I want to point out Melvin Gordon. Sony Michelle, mm-hmm. Alex Collins, you have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty as well. Hello, All Francisco these San Francisco backs. 49ers backs, which leaves what? Uh, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, who was an RB2 in points per game. Another guy you could find deeper in the draft and Devontae Freeman in this mix. So is there any guy... Uh, in that mix that really stands out to you, maybe touch on the 49ers back. Yeah, well, the 49ers is an interesting situation because they always just have a ton of guys. And you can see that by the fact that they have three free agents and still two solid running backs on 
the uh, the death chart there. Jeff Wilson definitely is always intriguing to me, but I think he's one of those guys that's more intriguing as a San Francisco running back. And I think that probably holds true for all these guys, Raheem Mostert to Michael Hasty. Mostert would probably be the guy who I'd have the most in the Mostert interest in if Whoa. he went elsewhere, uh, just because I think he's got that big play can give you those spike weeks because I don't think any of these guys are going to provide you week to week consistency. Um, but I think that would be the guy that I, and you know, he's, he's getting up there a little bit, but I think he's going to be a short-term play no matter where he is, even if he goes back to San Francisco. So I'm not too worried about age with a guy like him. Um, he could dig up the program in San Francisco going back there. Well, sure. I think uh, like there's always going to be a guy who legend. digs up the program in San Francisco. You know what I mean? And uh, I think maybe we see a little bit of a shift in that with Elijah Mitchell emerging. Um, we all obviously had some high hopes for Trey Sermon. So if they could have a one, two punch instead of a one, two, three, four, five punch, then we'd like that backfield a lot more. And we still like it. Even if there's four guys, we're just changing our expectations and the level of investment that we'll put into these guys as far as draft capital or trade assets. Right. So, and just we a, still like that backfield a lot, even if it's four deep. And a, a quick note to follow us through the off season. Cause we had a lot of support for Elijah Mitchell on this podcast from True some that. spectacular guests uh, throughout last off season. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, we were kind of touting them a little bit and I tell the story about Ray GQ. I had a show where it was just me and I had Ray GQ on there and I still have a little notebook where I wrote Elijah Mitchell's name down in red pen. So that's a, a good little story with uh, one of the best and, uh, Debbie guys pre- that there is calling uh, it out way before almost a premonition putting it in red there. Exactly. Because that was before he got drafted. Oh yeah. It's the Travstradamus. Mm. Travstradamus. And I was the wet blanket a little bit. I'll admit with Elijah Mitchell saying, you know, Sunbelt back a little bit. On totally. The side. I remember uh, that. And, but that's what outliers that's, I said he had to be an outlier. I definitely liked a lot that, uh, that he did. Um, he also had to be a guy that landed in one of these really good fucking situations. Yeah, and he well, landed and in probably the is, best one, right? That's kind of what so we're getting at I think that's a big thing for Elijah Mitchell. I think if he lands on a different team, um, like say he lands on the Eagles or something like that, he's uh, as a one-two punch with Miles Sanders, he's not going to emerge necessarily because he's not going to get the kind of opportunities that Shanahan's going to entrust in him. So one more guy I wanted to touch on from that group, uh, just because I don't think we're going to hit on this backfield tonight uh, or hadn't planned to. Uh, Maybe it's just a smidgen. Sony Michelle. Yeah. Because Cam Akers is back and he's the lead back for the Rams. Like, torn Achilles, be damned. And uh, Daryl Henderson is obviously another heartthrob of mine. Another, uh, yeah, finally paid off. Let's put it that way a little yeah. bit. And, uh, but that kind of leaves Sony Michelle on the market, I would imagine, come free agency this year. Do you see him landing in a spot? Do you think uh, the profile of player that he is makes him a buy, or is he somebody who's just going to spell somebody on early downs? I think it's kind of tough to say that Sony Michelle is a buy. I think if you can get him for like pre 2021 price, Sony Michelle, which is like super floor, then yeah, definitely. But if you're going to be looking at the production from the Rams offense, I think you're going to definitely come out on the losing end paying those prices with Sony. Sure. He could go to a good situation, like back to Georgia in Atlanta, um, Seattle watched him play on a division rival. You never know with them That's looking to kind of one. restock the stable with Sony. I hate Shane Waldron now, but yeah. there's, a connect- there's a connection there. For and- sure. 
And so, like, like just I knowing the Rams I think organization, he's the guy the who's going to try and get the lead role because he was a former first round pick. Uh, there's going to be teams that see that first round pedigree, obviously, and want to try and give him a shot in that first round role. Check so, those draft visits. You know, if you could get him added in on a trade, I could see him as a short term option. But I think you know he's not going to give you anything more than two seasons of consistency. And that's probably pushing it, you know, to be I, honest. I was so high on Penny and Michelle coming out, and uh, one of them just has to pay off in a big way. Yeah, for sure. Way. Well, Penny's Five on his way. Later. Penny's on his way, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Just some other guys I want to run down here. Justin Jackson, Salvin Ahmed, uh, Tevin Coleman maybe leaves Michael Carter a little more uh, breathing room. Maybe they actually bring in some better competition. Who knows? Boston Scott, Philip Lindsay, uh, Viva, because Malcolm Brown, I think, is a free agent as well. Viva yeah. Duke Johnson. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's a free agent as well. But, 100%. Uh, yeah. Dearness Johnson, uh, somebody that could be a Sony Michelle type almost. Uh, we'll totally. see how, how he fits into the league's plans because these guys kind of feel like. Uh, you know, plotters, bangers, whatever you want to call them, but they might be like career handcuffs as well as fantasy yeah. handcuffs. And guys that guys that still could kind of pop a little bit. Like you saw guys like Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard in Tennessee getting yeah. some meaningful yeah. work. You know what I mean? Like Dontrell Foreman, mm-hmm. another torn Achilles guy. It's just yeah, crazy. not guys you're going to be relying on necessarily, but on a deep dynasty bench, guys that look decent in a fill-in spot. Yeah, and there's guys also like a Royce Freeman who has Debbie buzz and obviously some uh, rookie buzz coming out uh, in his Denver days. Uh, also a bunch of pass catchers I was looking at here. So Dario Gumbawale is a free agent. J.D. McKissick, James White in New England. Brandon Bolden as well. So maybe uh, my boy, uh, J.J. Not J.J. J.J. Taylor. J.J. Taylor, thank JJ you. Taylor, uh, yeah. I don't know why I've done that for a while now. Geo Bernard is a uh, small free agent little as well. scat guys. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Richard, uh, Jerick McKinnon. Oh, Jet. Boy, yeah. like Jet. Jeremy yeah. McNichols, who I thought looked okay as a Titan at times. Totally. But that could free up a new player coming into the Titans that we want to keep our eye on in case Derrick Henry gets hurt. And then there's someone who can run and catch passes in that backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty Montgomery, another guy there. And Ty Montgomery, uh, also you have like uh, Dwayne Washington. So we'll have to monitor... Who comes into that Saints situation yeah. that obviously let down a little bit. We'll get to that maybe with Alvin Kamara For tonight. Sure. But uh, last leg, guys, too, that I wanted to mention, like Latavius Murray. You have a Marlon Mack who in Madden 22 always signs with someone and lights yeah. it up. It's the Jets. Yeah, the Jets. And, yeah, yeah, and that, totally. that franchise. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you got guys like David Johnson, Sexy Rex Burkhead. You have uh, Matt Breida. Oh. Lev Bell, that guy is like Matt Breida. Been dead to me for three years, but people still want to hear Lev Bell's name. He's a free agent. Could win a Super Bowl uh, with Wayne the Bucks Gallman. this year. Yeah. <laughs> some good names there, though. Like some guys that are going to be some backup running backs with one injury away from a shot. So keep an eye on the signings and keep an eye on the situations. And like we've been kind of saying every time we talk about running backs, is you want to, if you're getting backup running backs, you want to get the ones in good situations as far as a backfield or high powered offenses overall so like your san francisco's or even like your your kansas city chiefs or like your green bay packers those types of offenses that provide good situations for running backs is where we'll invest in these guys and Um, dynasty leagues always present those opportunities to kind of manipulate your league mates if you can you find the patriots owner who loved the rex burkhead in his days say he's a free agent you can get a third for him maybe like yeah you can do that with a latavius murray to the raiders fan who remembers the days where is running up right through that offensive line and i remember that yeah i loved it i want to david johnson year. won me a lot of fantasy leagues in 2016 <laughs> yeah. um 
yeah. So you can find guys who will give you those third round picks. And I think I'm going to try and acute. That's going to be the play. I think in this rookie draft coming up is to accumulate a ton of second and third round picks yeah. as opposed to first round picks that you have to pay up for. So uh, those are the moves I'm trying to do in dynasty at this time of year before you kind of get the word that, that, you know, they're going to be probably sitting on the market in free agency until well into the offseason. Well, and again, those picks just gives you so much more options. You know what I mean? You can package them to move up in the draft. You can package them for players who are going to be, you know, day one starters on your roster. And, you know, I think the overarching goal in fantasy football is to have fun. And that kind of situation going into it with a bunch of picks. Yeah. I think we all want to be NFL GMs. That's the shit right there. That is exactly mm-hmm. what you're looking for. You want to have more bullets in the chamber. Yeah, exactly. Stack that <laughs> ammo <laughs> and then <laughs> let her fly. So talking about letting her fly, Ty, at the top of the draft, you're at the 101 and you have got to let her fly. Is it going to be Jonathan Taylor or is it still going to be Christian McCaffrey for you no, at the 101? It probably is going to be Jonathan Taylor. I think it's uh, pretty unanimous right now. And I think when you look at the quarterback landscape, like I just don't see the Colts having like a big super out to land that quarterback that kind of takes the offense uh, off JT's. Yeah, because yeah. like Jonathan Taylor, the offense is entirely running through him. He just dominated the league in stats like red zone touches, for example. So yeah, I think it has to be Jonathan Taylor. I think you could make a case for someone like DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler. Like it's yeah. there's more ambiguity at the top of the running back position than there has been in recent years. I would say. Yeah, because even before especially. even before Christian McCaffrey, you had those Saquon Barkley seasons yeah. where he was the consensus guy. Kamara has a down year. Alvin like he, Kamara yeah. too. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because. It's uh, it's still really close, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor because the Panthers are in kind of a similar situation where they're in that kind of quarterback dead zone themselves. Um, but obviously, the injuries have been mounting for Christian McCaffrey. He's missed 23 games over the past two seasons, so that's not good, Bob, from a guy that you used with the or used your first overall pick on. And most of those are leg related, which obviously isn't what you're looking for in a running back. But in the 10 games that he has played, he was a top five running back in seven of those um and he had just a touch over 24 points per game in those games more than any other running back in the last two years combined so we still see that ceiling from christian mccaffrey it's just the games played has really really been killing us only two games outside of the top eight games in his uh 16 games played in the 2019 season so that's the consistency that you're looking for and he had eight games in that season over 30 ppr points ty so it was pretty pretty historic stuff that we've seen from him so he's not fallen off by any means but we really want to see that health kind of come to fruition and we've seen um you know they have chuba hubbard there who they spent a draft yeah. pick on and i think that might scare who some has some ability to take a little bit off christian mccaffrey's shoulders and has so been we... on this podcast Woo! Beep, 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 friend beep. of the tnff pod chuba hubbard Scroll back in the make feed. sure you go back in the feed just search tnff pod chuba hubbard Really appreciated him coming on that and uh, our friends at DAZN for kind of helping us line that up. That was extremely cool. Fellow Canadian Chuba Hubbard, fellow Oilers fan for you, my guy. Um, But yeah, just another another guy there who can take a little bit of that load off of Christian McCaffrey's shoulder. So whereas we know that Jonathan Taylor is coming into his prime as far as, you know, production and workload 
Christian McCaffrey, while still in his prime talent wise, may not necessarily have that prime volume that we've seen previously. We know he's going to get a ton of targets, but that ca- that question, carry volume might just come down a little bit. I think his target share should be good. Like he, that should be just his bread and butter because he is basically a re- like he's the best receiver on his team, and yeah. they have pretty good receivers. So. And uh, like what happens at offensive coordinator in Carolina, mm-hmm. there's there's a quarterback play will factor in. I think like how many times they're going to be at the goal line uh, might be predicated on who their quarterback play is. But Christian McCaffrey is in that conversation in the first totally. round. And I think he's a buy in uh, in dynasty leagues. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could definitely package some stuff together and come out feeling really nice in acquiring Christian McCaffrey. So. Ty, for these next few guys, we're going to play a little game. And um, it's not necessarily a game, but this is just my way of putting like a fun title on it. It's going to be called, Are You Elite? Elite, um so i'm gonna, <laughs> so I'm, why don't you define what elite means yeah like i know what you mean by elite. um i don't want to because that's a really hard thing to define but I, what i would say is are these guys who warrant that top you know six pick in a startup yeah. draft you know what i mean the guys that are going to produce to the level that you have to invest these high picks in and basically i've got a little note here our uh former stalwart heartthrobs so these are guys who have been anchors of our dynasty rosters for a few years now and uh and maybe some new faces as well that might come in and be those anchors the first guy we kind of touched on him a little bit was uh, alvin kamara Obviously, there is uncertainty galore in New Orleans. Um, Of course, he, for the first time, ever caught less than 81 balls. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was uh, definitely a new feat for him. But it wasn't on the good side of 81. It was definitely a lot less than 81. Some injuries this year. And then obviously... He had under 70 targets this year. Yeah, and Taysom Hill definitely is a big factor in that and the way the offense is run through him. He scored almost 10 points per game less under Taysom Hill in the seven starts over the last two seasons compared to games that Taysom hasn't started. That's and I think that includes Trevor fucking Simeon. Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. And you know, like the season seemed really down for Alvin Kamara, but he's still finished inside the top 10 as, and has never in his career finished yeah. outside the top 10, which is really, really incredible for a guy who has some pretty low carry totals over his career to maintain the target volume that he's got is, uh, is pretty, pretty awesome. He was the running back nine this year. Um, and this was actually the worst of his five seasons. So that's saying something for Alvin Kamara. I personally still think he is an elite running back where you're buying into that talent and just knowing that the situation is going to get a little bit better. We saw something we didn't really see very much out of Alvin Kamara in him getting a bunch of 20 carry games. So if some of that can keep up alongside those targets coming back, we like that tie. But what's your take on Alvin Kamara? I know you love those predominant run or uh, receiving backs as stable pieces of the roster is alvin kamara still up in that echelon for you i i think he's like a borderline elite running back because i almost expect a return to what we've expected from alvin kamara over the you know in his career um and what we saw this season i think the the lack of efficiency comes down to a lot of things he also missed four games this year i think uh but the offensive line just suffered a lot of injuries this year in in new orleans and we expect that to be a pretty elite unit mm-hmm. um so, you know, like he still has 10 receiving touchdowns in the last two seasons with suspect quarterback play. So I think, you know, the, they need the quarterback play to improve. They need it to not be Taysom Hill. I, I talked about those splits. 
So in 20 games that Kamara ha- like has played without Taysom Hill over the last two years, he averages 25 points per game. Oh that is God. ultra elite territory. Mm-hmm. Not one single running back this year averaged 25 points per game, which I think was the first time in uh, half a decade or so. But uh, yeah, that's a it's elite, elite stuff. And in those games, he averages about five catches, about 50 yards receiving per game, which is double digit fantasy points and PPR, you know, right there on receiving work For alone. Sure. So Alvin Kamara is somebody that I I fully expect to return to a lot of like this year is the anomaly. When we look back on Alvin Kamara, the yards per carry uh, as well, like New Orleans ran the ball 510 times this year, the fourth most of any team. They ranked 25th in rushing yards uh, or sorry, 19th in rushing yards. So they had like 3.9 yards per carry this Hmm. year. Uh, Just, just terrible. So uh, the end, like if you look back, like Kamara averaged five yards per carry last year, 4.7 4.7 the year before 4.6, I think the year before that. So yeah. And he was over six yards per carry when he burst on the scene yeah. as a third round pick in his rookie season. So efficiency has been the name of the game for Camara. And I think the wretched quarterback play is like as much to blame as the offensive line this year, all the injuries the saints had on the trenches uh, in the trenches on offense uh, really lends to why Camara had such a, a tough time running the ball despite the the potential of having like a volume driven season like totally. it's almost what he ended up putting on paper this year um but i expect the efficiency to kind of uh get way like go from one end of the scale to the other yeah uh, find a happy medium to at reflect least. his his career totally yeah it was the first time he'd ever hit 200 carries and he had 240 but like you said less than 900 yards on that and only four touchdowns on the ground for alvin kamara so um definitely expect him to at least meet in the middle of that efficiency if not go like 75 percent towards his previous yeah, like it's got a right, really you know? return like it's gonna go up with yeah the, like so, the regression's gonna hit hard the positive regression um and i'm just looking at the run blocking grade this season on pff they ranked 24th for the saints after ranking top 10 in uh each of the previous two seasons so Kamara should be you know in a better offense with a better quarterback who presents a bigger threat to throw downfield than uh Taysom hill and that will that will get him back in you know, to elite status in the passing game, yeah. which is really, you know, the story of the season. And I think the offensive line, like Ramchek, these guys are elite offensive totally. linemen and they, they should return to like regal status next year. There's also like a heap of touchdown regression to point to. Uh, Kamara scored a touchdown once every 60 times he ran the ball in 2021. He averaged a touchdown every 15.6 carries heading into the season, still scores on average once every like, 19th to 20th carry when you factor in this season's uh anomalous outcome so <laughs> i think camara is undervalued he seems like the running back to point to in terms of like like you know an elite running back who you can go and possibly buy right now even if the price is steep uh you know we all know rookie picks are valuable right now and totally yeah, yeah. i think camara is one of the guys you should go try and grab for sure, yeah. You could hear those sirens that just went by. That's uh, they're going to find somebody who just stole Alvin Kamara in a trade, uh, because I think it can be done at this point with uh, the season that he just had. So we're going to move along to Dalvin Cook. Ty, obviously, the injuries are mounting for him as well. Mike Zimmer is out yeah. in Minnesota. Dalvin finishes the running back sixteen on the year, running back ten on a points per game basis. I mean, of course, we are talking a lot more points per game because of the seventeen game season and because versus it's Dalvin. And because it's Dalvin, yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> the the Will Fuller method. Yeah, um, he was down this season, obviously, from his top six overall finish 
the previous two seasons. He was actually top three in points per game, both of the past two seasons as well. And touchdowns were a huge factor. He did only have six touchdowns total this year, where he had 17 last year and 13 the year prior. He actually had 10 fewer receptions this year, which in PPR is significant. So I'm curious to to hear, Ty, with uh, Mike Zimmer out, obviously those injuries like we talked about, do you think there could be a potentially a skew towards the pass a little bit more in Minnesota with those dynamite wide receivers? KJ Osborne emerged quite a bit this season, or would you say that Dalvin cook is still elite? elite, elite? I don't know. Like I think, uh, because Spielman's gone too. So it's right. a, a whole new regime that's going to come in. Uh, what happens with mini Kubiak, like Clint Kubiak still there. So I don't know what's going to happen with him. I'm sure they're going to still run an outside zone, but, yeah. uh, like, I, you just think of how much success Cousins had in the system using all the play action, the flood concepts. Like, I think sure. it'd be kind of silly to go away from that. But, yeah, I think even if they do stay on track of where they've been, like, Dalvin's been less used with Jefferson's kind of, you know, ascendance. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the first season that he didn't register a single catch of 25-plus yards. He averaged uh, just two and a half catches per game for Dalvin. He had actually four straight seasons to start his career where he posted uh, – over five yards per touch, not target, but yards per touch in all four seasons. But uh, he fell below that mark in 2021. Like he quietly had his least efficient season of his career, uh, mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook did. But, totally. you know, I-, I think he could stand to benefit less from, you know, uh, pass like them passing more wouldn't necessarily be a good thing for Dalvin Cook, I think. Now, a lot of this will come down to like Kirk Cousins and his future with the Minnesota Vikings. Like, I think that's what's interesting with a whole new regime coming in. Like, what do you do with this quarterback who's kind of sitting there? But the passing game, you know, it, it won't like the work that Dalvin Cook might get. Like, you're talking about him having a dip in volume in the passing game. And that work isn't going to come from Justin Jefferson. It's not going to come from Adam Thielen, especially yeah. in high leverage situations like in, in inside the 10 yard line. And, you wonder about KJ Osborne coming on. Uh, Irv Smith's going to be back next season. So, uh, you know, Alexander Madison's also there. You have Kenny Wongu flashed as well a little yeah, bit. Sure. Uh, he needs to learn the playbook a little better. But there's <laughs> there's definitely some stuff to give us pause for thought with Dalvin Cook. And he's just a guy that I end up passing on probably uh, in startups, especially if he's still going to cost us the uh, first-round pick in, in a dynasty startup, right? And uh, just to, like you know, a side tangent sort of, but I think it's, it's kind of relevant. Like the big pain for the running game in Minnesota should, you know, they lean towards the pass, which I'm not even suggesting will happen because of, yeah. you know, Kirk cousins, but the red zone volume has been like off the charts in Minnesota for running backs on the ground. Only the Colts running backs had more red zone carries uh, than the Vikings in 2021 and the Vikings running backs combined for the most red zone carries in both 2020 and in 2019, Dalvin has 35 rushing touchdowns in his last 41 games during that span. 30 of those came in the red zone. 27 of them came inside the 10-yard line. So hopefully a new GM doesn't have plans of like tearing things down here sure. and moving on from Kirk Cousins or even changing the scheme much uh, for Dalvin's sake for people who are going to invest that late first-round pick is what I imagine he'll end up costing in a dynasty startup. Yeah, well, and I think kind of what I take from that, Ty, is that Dalvin Cook definitely could be a guy you can go out there and sell for some younger assets. Um, I would probably also be passing on him at that point in the draft for 
some other guys um, like maybe uh, Joe Mixon might enter into that conversation. DeAndre Swift, uh, your boy, Austin Eckler, like some of those guys, I would probably take over a Dalvin Cook just for the risk that he poses and some of the uncertainty, uncertainty that is coming to that uh, Minnesota offense. We hope they stick to the, their guns on that. But uh, it's been kind of tough sledding for the Vikings ever since uh, they had that good playoff run there with Stefan Diggs catching that big one against the Saints. And um, so, you know, a, a full blow up isn't necessarily out of the cards. And for a guy who where we say we have to use points per game to talk about some of his numbers, that's not a guy who I'm looking to invest that high foundational capital in for my team. Yeah. Um, I wonder what my exposure will be in like 2022 best ball drafts for Dalvin Cook. He was like kind of the unequivocal 102 in 2021 best ball drafts. And I think I might uh, like I was underexposed on him. Uh, I came out wrong, but I think I might be <laughs> underexposed again on Dalvin Cook in 2022. I'm thankful for you being underexposed my friend i'm very very thankful overexposure when i'm sitting right next to you on the pod might not be a good thing but uh no birthday suits allowed on the pod i could see it both ways too because dalvin's one of those guys who can give you those 30 point weeks as well so i could totally if the situation looks like it stays similar to how it has been the last few seasons i could see him maybe being more of a best ball target for me than a redraft target just for that factor, thinking I can recover later in those rounds with some running backs who might give me some health or some pop-off games when he is riding the pine. Keeping her rolling, tie, of course, a lot to talk about tonight. Ezekiel Elliott. Um, speaking of riding the pine. Speaking of riding the pine for your he boy, did a Tony bit Pollard. Of that this year, finally. Yeah, Tony Pollard is absolutely here to stay as uh, a key piece in this offense. Zeke was a pretty solid four floor play this season. He ended as ended up as the running back seven on the season, played a full 17 game slate, uh, was the running back 17 in points per game. So that's exactly. where like yeah. the floor the play comes in. was on display again. In <laughs> yeah. like, it bears out in that running back 17 points per game. And the fact that Tony Pollard was the guy who was the real exciting one to watch out of this backfield. Um, Zeke was actually the running back 16 in points per game last season, Ty, after finishing no lower than six in its sixth in his first four seasons. So we've definitely seen some ceiling come away from Zeke's game, not necessarily just due to Tony Pollard. I think we saw this happening before Tony Pollard yeah. stepped in there. Um, and the ceiling, just to that point, he's only had nine games of 16 plus points in each of the last two seasons, whereas he had 13 such games in 2019 alone um, and four games over 25 points in that 2019 season, 2019 season, but only three in the past two seasons combined. So only three times in the past 33 games, Zeke has given you 25 plus point games so floor play yes ceiling play absolutely not for zeke and we should have seen that writing on the wall um a long time ago eh? yeah we've talked a lot about that like it's been more and more evident over the last two years that zeke is no exception when it comes to running backs being reliant on their situation uh most of the time the situation just matters more for the running back than their talent it's mm -hmm. uh just the way she goes so as the yards before contact have dropped in Dallas, the, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's yards per carry have, have dropped as well. Um, like the efficiency has been lacking, but like you said, like the volume's just not even there anymore. So 
He's averaging 15 carries per game over the last two seasons. And that was after averaging over 20 yards, uh, 20 carries per game through the first four seasons in, in the league. And in 2021, like with Tony Pollard factoring in Zeke saw under 17 touches per game. Like he was averaging over 20 touches per game in every single season of his career heading into 2021. Uh, in fact, Zeke uh, has seen his touches decline in back-to-back-to-back-to-back seasons now. So, And with that dip in volume, like the production has is, is followed, obviously, but we've kind of seen the same thing with his yardage, you know what I mean? Like down in four straight seasons, like averaging just over 60 yards rushing per game over the last uh, two seasons uh, after averaging about 93 yards per game from 2016 to 2019. Like Zeke started his career, I have it here, with over 130 yards from scrimmage per game. 125 yards from scrimmage per game, 133, 111, 88 yards from scrimmage per game last season, and just over 75 yards per scrimmage, Mm -hmm. uh, yards from scrimmage per game in 2021. So how the mighty have fallen and the saving grace has been touchdowns though, right? Like the Cowboys have been one of the best offenses under Kellen Moore, uh, plain and simple. So I think we will have, kind of an identical conversation this off season is the one we had last off season. Uh, although the return might be slightly diminished after a second unimpressive season uh, from Zeke in a row now, but basically the argument is, do you want to try and get out now on Zeke and trade him to a contender? Uh, or are you a contender? Like, you know, you can avoid him in a startup or you can pay that, you know, what you might, consider a value right like uh yeah that's it so so are you selling him or buying him because he plays in an offense that literally led the nfl in in points scored this season and in total yards i think in like if i have him sitting on a dynasty roster i'm going to try and sell him and get some younger assets onto the team get him to a contender and even if i am kind of a contender i would probably still take Zeke and try and turn him into a younger running back who might be a couple years out. Um, you might be able to get a couple pieces for him, but if I'm in a draft, like I think there could be situations where the low upside turns him into a bit of a value, right? Especially from a redraft perspective, uh, not, not in a dynasty startup. I would definitely be avoiding Zeke Elliott, but in a redraft league, if he falls into like that, like late second, third round, I could see taking him. If you've gone elsewhere from the RB position, at the top of that draft. So in the first two rounds, if I go for like a a Travis Kelsey and then just take a top end wide receiver, Zeke as a running back one at the, in the third round could be good if he falls to that place, but I'm not sure he gets there yet, but we have to see how that's going to shake out. But I could see him falling to that point where he could be a redraft value for sure. Do you think he could get poopy and say, I want to be traded? Any chance that could happen? I don't know. Like he's getting pre- paid pretty friggin' handsomely. I think it would be hard to get another team to take that contract. And that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he could, but I don't think he really has much of a leg to stand on because he's making more money than any team's probably gonna pay him. Is there any chance the answer in all formats is to take both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard? Even yeah, if they well, both cost you, you know, top 75 picks. Well, I think the key piece is that we now know that the running back pie in Dallas is elite, right? And that Zeke's not getting all of it, but he's still getting a significant portion, especially where it counts in the red zone. And then Tony Pollard's that guy who's going to get 
now significant volume along with the big plays that he provides. So yeah, getting both of these guys is not a bad play necessarily, especially because if Z gets banged up, you have yourself a really high end running back one in Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard with Zeke injured is a higher end running back than Zeke is as the lead back in Dallas, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So Tony Pollard is a more valuable asset than Zeke in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okie doke, Ty. So we're going to keep her rolling on to another highly drafted running back. Um, Zeke was obviously drafted in the top five, and so was Saquon Barkley. Um, injuries have sapped this poor bastard who is one of the more talented running backs we've seen in quite a while. Um, obviously, his situation is surrounded with dysfunction. Joe Judge and the New York Giants and that offense is just a, a terrible situation. He finished as the running back 30 in PPR this year, running back 31 in points per game. He played 13 games. And so for someone of Saquon's, you know, ilk, you would not necessarily think he would finish as the running back 30 with 13 games played. Some guys that actually finished ahead of him in a similar amount of games played were Daryl Henderson with 12 games, Elijah Mitchell in 11, Derrick Henry in eight, David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift, both in 13 games, as well as Saquon Barkley. So, um, Obviously, that dysfunction is a factor, but what do you make of Saquon Barkley? Like, is he somebody who could be a target as a bounce back candidate, or is he just somebody who you're just staying well away from? Look, I I, I don't think I'm not worried about the injuries per se, but I would say that it's concerning that a guy who has always needed the big play to kind of make his numbers look better. I don't want to say that about Saquon. Like, it sounds negative saying that this guy needs the big plays to make his numbers look better. Um, because if you take out this big run, like this was his yards per carry. Yeah. That's a guy you could do with Saquon pretty, pretty, totally. pretty funny. Uh, but the thing is the frequency of these big runs and the talent that guy has and the, the sheer lower, you know, body strength, like it's just hard to bring that guy down. Um, so he rips off a lot of big runs. The problem is Saquon ran, like it was just a horrible campaign this year, uh, entirely in the big apple he ran for 3.7 yards per carry scored just two times on the ground the giants actually had the second fewest red zone attempts like the fewest uh second fewest red zone trips in all of football and they were the worst team at converting red zone trips into touchdowns this year like they're rarely reaching their opponent's red zone mm -hmm. and couldn't score when they did so even saquon's use in the passing game was underwhelming this year as well he averaged under six and a half yards per reception. Like he's supposed to be Crazy. an elite receiving back. And we've seen kind of his numbers decline year after year. Like he just has failed to stay healthy over the last couple of seasons. And it's just concerning that the volume just continues to come down. When you compare his numbers to like his rookie and sophomore campaigns that were just outstanding. And you know, his efficiency has come down too. like, he barely averaged four yards per touch this year. Like that is really shitty. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think with all things considered, like it's hard to consider him a top five running back, even in dynasty settings. Um, I think I, I think everyone's taking guys like Jonathan Taylor over him, but it, you know, it's easy to make an argument for youngsters like Najee Harris uh, kind of feels ironic calling Najee uh, a youngster after, you know, thinking of him <laughs> as an older prospect, but uh, Deandre Swift probably goes ahead of Saquon and a ton of uh, startups this offseason, even if Javante Williams, I think probably does as well. Uh, yeah. I'd probably go with Austin Eckler over Saquon Barkley so uh, for the two offenses being on opposite ends of the spectrum oh, yeah. alone. Oh, yeah. I actually have Saquon as my dynasty running back 10 behind all those guys that you mentioned. Uh, Javante just behind him, but he is a candidate to rise up into the top 10 for sure. Um, 
yeah, it's like it's so crazy with Saquon because I think he definitely could be one of those bounce backs where you bet on the talent. The guy still, it's just like you talked about the efficiency. The guy got 57 targets this year, which is a healthy dose and did almost nothing with him. And then looking at PFF for all running backs with at least 50 carries, he was outside the top 50 in yards after contact per attempt. And, you know, that's a stat that I think is an indictment on, on talent. You know what I mean? His ability to get after, get away from those guys who contact him. He was 37th among running backs with only 20 missed tackles forced. Uh, to your point, Ty, only nine of his 162 carries went for 10 plus yards. Really? So that's just like super, super, super low numbers for, a guy where even run of the mill running backs are putting up better numbers on that kind of volume. So I think he's a far more talented running back than that would imply, but those injuries have mounted and it's really leaving some lasting effects on my willingness to kind of go in on Saquon in drafts. So I don't think he's elite anymore. And I think um, we need to see a healthy season before we're ready to put him back into that tier. So are you elite? That game is over tie. Um, this category of guys. Not, yeah, he is crazy. not. Yeah, that's a weird thing to say because he used to he was the Christian McCaffrey who no, I, was the I totally agree though. Like consensus they need, running yeah, back like one. Offensive line needs to improve big time, quarterback play so they can get the red zone trips up so they can get red zone you know efficiency. And mm-hmm. uh there's just nothing going for him right now, even including him doing it for himself when you refer to yards after contact and the 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 inefficiency of the passing game. Totally. So we're going to fly through some of these disrespected running backs, Ty. I think these guys are are guys who have been historically disrespected, even when producing at a high clip. The first guy is your boy, Aaron Jones. Um, It's an interesting backfield to try and make sense of with A.J. Dillon getting serious work there. Um, Aaron Jones is the running back 11 in PPR this year, running back 13 points per game. A.J. Dillon finished as the running back 23, running back 35 on a points per game basis. Um, very close in carry share, very close in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. Aaron Jones had a significant edge in passing work though. So Ty, very defined roles for these guys. Um, what do you make of it? Because Aaron Jones just signed a new contract with Green Bay. So it looks like he's going to be there for a little bit. Aaron Rodgers' future is, um, you know, questionable there at best. Uh, so what do, what do you make in Aaron Jones and his standing amongst those dynasty running backs as a guy who doesn't have that you know instant name credibility that a saquon and a zeke might have for some people but i think for kind of those hardcore fantasy fans he's uh he's a bit of a legend yeah i I think this year though it was close like he almost finally got that clout he deserves like Mm -hmm. uh in dynasty he's always been undervalued there's no doubt about it like folks were apprehensive for a few years uh at least to embrace him as like an elite option yeah but this past off season, it felt like everybody finally got on board, uh, especially towards, you know, draft weekend, uh, Labor Day late weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he didn't have the worst season from 30,000 feet. Like when you look back, like he was the RB 13 in PPR and RB one in, in points per game, but he didn't deliver on the average draft position, I guess would be, you know, why he's a disappointment a little bit for me, uh, after touting him so highly yeah. <laughs> but uh, and every year, but definitely not on, Process. on, you know, on some of what I thought he was uh, like, he didn't deliver on what I thought he, he could come out and do in 2021, but hopefully that all, like you said, the, you know, stigma attached to him or whatever, hopefully that all gets baked into his price because I still believe that he is an RB one. I think we can dive into some numbers at a later date. You know, I love to talk a lot about Aaron Jones, but 
Um, another thing actually that I think could creep into Aaron Jones value in the market could be like you, you alluded to, and that's Aaron Rodgers, like mm-hmm. his future with the green Bay Packers, right? Like granted Aaron Jones probably won't catch a dozen passes in the red zone. Uh, if he doesn't have, uh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers as his quarterback, like he did this season, second to just Austin Eckler, but under Stefanski, I think, or, uh, LeFleur here, everything is set up to have a pretty potent run game in green Bay, no matter what happens. And if they invest in the offensive line, like the run blocking can only get better to, from what we saw in 2021. And I just think Aaron Jones is so talented that he could be, you know, a centerpiece for an offense in like a Deandre Swift, Austin Eckler for mold sure almost, uh, in my opinion. So, plus he, he has a deal, uh, you know what I mean? Like they, they signed Aaron Jones last year. Uh, yeah. Now we know AJ Dillon will factor in, uh, for sure. But first of all, they both finished as top 24 running backs this season with Aaron Jones outproducing uh, him significantly in points per game. Jones was the RB 11 in points per game. AJ Dillon was like RB 36, right? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Um, and it's like you said, he just commands the more valuable work, the passing game work. And, uh, so I, I kind of, at this stage, it's a matter of taste. I would say with Aaron Jones, like, do you want Aaron Jones? Do you want a uh, Derrick Henry type? Do you want yeah. uh, a Nick Chubb type? Do you want Saquon or Aaron Jones? You know, uh, I think that's a conversation. Uh, I think if I had to give a name though, Trav, to show that I still have the hots for Aaron Jones, even in dynasty, I, I think I'd take him over Joe Mixon. For really? Like I'm, I'm pretty still bullish on Aaron Jones. Nice. And, and I could quit him. I just don't want to. That's yeah, that's fair, man. I definitely would take Joe Mixon over Aaron Jones. And I think the key factor for me is that he is entrenched in Green Bay. And I see the, the good situation that's around him, but I don't think AJ Dillon's role is going away. Um, specifically from a red zone carry standpoint, I think Aaron Jones's 16 targets in the red zone is a pretty high number that probably won't repeat itself. Whereas AJ Dillon getting a heavy dose of carries inside the red zone is something that's going to be the norm for this offense. Whereas you've detailed it on previous shows, how historic Aaron Jones's work in the red zone and especially touchdown. Well, efficiency they still split those in, snaps in there. That's why they it's do. Yeah. yeah, they definitely do. But I could see even like, I think that's, that's not skewing towards Aaron. That's not going to trend towards Aaron Jones. In my opinion, I think that's going to trend more towards AJ Dillon. And I don't think Aaron Jones keeps that target share within, uh, within the red zone. So I think he's going to be still a great efficient running back. I just think he's going to do a lot more of it with big plays and maybe between the twenties, as opposed to all of that with the inside the 20 work. So I've got him at running back 14 in dynasty, just behind some of those younger guys. And Joe Mixon's one of them as well. But I think there's a case to be made for him for sure, because he can give you that top, you know, top 10 season on limited work for sure. Whereas some of these other guys in that tier aren't going to have that kind of ceiling, but might have a little bit more floor, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying they're going to be like Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram in their prime in New Orleans there, where they're like, you know, they're both splitting red zone work and they're both getting super valuable high leverage touches every game because it's a good offense. Um, But I also think they could be a better version of like DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Like I think, you know, and I want that DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara type, uh, definitely, even in Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, so a guy that we've been mentioning a lot, Ty, as kind of, and and I think he presented kind of some cheat code qualities at the running back position this year, um, and that's your boy Austin Eckler. He was the running back two this season on a points per game basis. He was the running back three. He only had 
five games this season outside of the top 12 among running backs, which is a lot more safety than we've seen previously with Austin Eckler and his kind of high target share, low carry volume. The carry volume came way up. And I think a huge part of it was the spike touchdown season. He had 20 total touchdowns this year, Ty, did Austin Eckler. Um, and specifically, as far as receiving touchdowns, it was his second time in the last three years with eight receiving touchdowns. All of those came within the red zone. He's the only guy, um, or actually one of only two guys, to have at least eight receiving touchdowns from the running back position since 2000, Ty. And I know that you know the other name, but what's the other name, Ty? Marshall Falk. I actually tweeted that out like last week. Yeah, that was a good one. And, yeah. Uh, so in 2019, Eckler became the first running back to score eight receiving touchdowns in a season since 2001. And only four other running backs have a single eight receiving touchdown season post NFL merger, not named Austin Eckler or Marshall Falk. Um, Eckler did score his eighth receiving touchdown in week 18 though, this season. So yeah. it does account. Is it? That's, that's the age old question. I'm giving it to him because it's a cool stat. Yeah. So we're going to give it to him. Um, and I think like when we're, when we're tabulating like points per game at this point, we're it's included. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll allow it. Um, I think where I missed and like, I, I've not been, I wouldn't call myself like an Austin Eckler hater tie, but he's been a guy who I've shied away from in that back of the first round was because of the carry volume, but that has uh, gone up in a big way. And specifically in the red zone, he had 49 rushing attempts in the red zone this year, Ty. That was second most only to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor lapped the field this season. He had 89 red zone carries and second to him was Austin Eckler with 49. Um, 12 rushing touchdowns inside the red zone for Austin Eckler. All 20 of his touchdowns receiving and rushing came from within the red zone. He matched Aaron Jones's 16 targets in the red zone there. So we like to see that. Um, Yeah. And he was actually number one in fantasy points scored in the red zone of all running backs. Um, He had over 50 PPR points more than Jonathan Taylor in the red zone. So that kind of shows you the work that Austin Eckler did while he was out carried in the red zone by almost, uh, almost 40 or 40 carries. He uh, still outscored the field inside the 20s for a running back who previously didn't profile as that previously never produces that previously was in a backfield that always had a guy they brought in to assume that role that was not Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler proved me wrong and I am here for it. Like I am down to invest in him mid to late first round tie. I'm in. I'm, I'm fucking in, man. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of being underappreciated what Austin Eckler did this season because of what Jonathan Taylor did almost. And yeah. uh, because they were in a tier of their own, like he had 10 different 20 PPR point performances this season. Eckler outscored Alvin Kamara, who we mentioned, the running back eight, by over 100 fantasy points this season. He scored 30% more fantasy points than the running back eight as the running back two. So he gave you a massive advantage this season. And even if you think some of the red zone uh, rushing work might not continue, uh, I don't see them investing in in the running back position heavily this offseason. And would I do expect the Chargers offense under Justin Herbert to continue to be a relative powerhouse, right? And, you know, I think Austin Ecker has always been kind of a cheat code. We've laid out, you know, on, on this podcast many times, Austin Eckler's fantasy points per touch numbers. Uh, just so many times because it's a really sexy stat to point to and again this year among all running backs with 100 touches Austin Eckler led the NFL in running back fantasy points per touch and 
you know, he's kind of a microcosm of what we chase at the running back position. I think like a pass catching freak in a really good offense. Who's also getting red zone, uh, red zone work. And Eckler led all running backs, uh, in targets, uh, saw 15% of the market share in this, uh, beast mm-hmm. of a passing game. And, uh, he averages over nine yards after the catch per reception. Like he's just, uh, he's a cheat code on the football field and for fantasy owners. So I think, uh, it just, there's one word that sums up Austin Eckler and it's efficiency that's, or outlier, you know what I mean? And, uh, but it's really insane. Like you could add that it wouldn't be hyperbolic to add an adjective, like ultra efficient. Like that's the way Mm -hmm. I think of Austin Eckler. And, you know, he has a higher yards per target than, than Keenan Allen going back to the beginning of 2019. (laughs) He's just a better guy to target than, you know, this guy that everyone thinks of as a stud wide receiver on the team. So yeah, I I am buying Austin Eckler, whatever he costs in dynasty. It's, it's not enough. I like it. No, I like it. And I've come over to that. He's a top five running back in all four. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. I like it. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of saw it come to fruition. One of the things that I was worried about was as Justin Herbert evolves and kind of takes the offense as his own and kind of takes ownership of it, I thought that maybe that target share might come down a little bit because I thought Justin Herbert would be hucking balls down the field, throwing frozen ropes. But some of those frozen ropes are coming to Austin Eckler, baby, and we like to see that. So, Ty, we are running mega long, which uh, we 100% anticipated for this episode. So we're going to talk about three running backs real quick here that could be coming into the elite uh, elite category. Um, they are Najee Harris, your boy from the Steelers, Javante Williams, and DeAndre Swift, the aforementioned. Let's start with Najee, Ty. Um, he had a, a pretty crazy season this year. Huge touch volume, uh, bouts of inefficiency throughout the season. Some streaky, big play, though. Um, what's your take on Najee and the uh, the rookie season that he had on what was a pretty rough offense to be on? And I think he still came through as a shining light. I think, uh, yeah, I think the Steelers might even led the NFL in uh, game-winning drives, just like shed light on how disappointing their offense was till fourth quarter, I guess. But uh yeah, definitely couldn't get much worse on the uh on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's impressive. Like he led the NFL in touches as a rookie. That's pretty hard to That's do. Incredible. And uh but 21 running backs had more red zone touches than Najee Harris, which is kind of amazing. Uh 24 running backs had more red zone carries than Najee Harris. Kind of insane mm-hmm. uh, to think about that. Um, so I, I don't know, like the Steelers didn't look much better. You know, they were the second worst yards before contact for attempt for <laughs> pro football reference, like only Pittsburgh and Houston fell below two yards per, uh, before contact for attempt. So, you know, all these issues kind of sustained in 2021 for Pittsburgh that people were worried about yet. Najee Harris still because of volume was the running back three overall. So I think he is a top five running back in all formats. Uh, but he would be the guy that you kind of squeeze out of that top five conversation because of the offense. Like you think of an Austin Eckler, like I'm probably taking Austin Eckler over him. I I get that you're not going to in dynasty, but Mm -hmm. I would pay for a uh, an Austin Eckler who I can acquire rather than a Najee Harris, who's going to be very expensive in a dynasty setting. And then for redraft, I think he might unfortunately be the guy who I kind of pass on to take an Austin Eckler in a best ball setting. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's kind of fair. I don't know if I would say the same just because I think Najee Harris kind of couples couples the target volume. We saw him get incredible target volume this year um, where 
the situation around him, you explained with the yards before contact, he had to do a lot of this work by himself. So the situation gets, you know, 10% better. And I think that is, you know, probably like 25% better for Najee. You know what I mean? So um, I have him ahead of Austin Eckler. And I don't know if I would go that route in trading Eckler for him, but I, I definitely see the argument for him. But I love me some Najee Harris. And I think it's only going to be wheels up. Like, he has yearly running back one overall finish in his realm of possibilities for at least the next five seasons in my book. So it's wheels up for him. Uh, the floor was ridiculous. 10 of his 17 games, he uh, was a top 12 running back. 13 of those 17 games, he was top 24. So only four games, he fell outside of the top 24. So at worst, he is still an extremely valuable piece of your roster. And at best, he is the core piece. Um I talked about the streaky inefficiency. He had games of like 16 rushes for 45, 14 for 40, 22 for 62. Um, those are just a few of the 11 games where he had under three yards per carry. So that is like a, a definitely a bad sign. But I think the good thing is that there's only room to grow on that. And he's still had a great season. So And the pa- the passing game was the work that you, you, you put the spotlight on. And I think yeah. that's really what was the driver uh, didn't he have the like a 19 for, target game yeah in like, uh, like it, the it was, fourth game of the season he had like 19 insane. targets that and was I, crazy i think Najee harris especially in a dynasty setting like in a startup i think it's going to be a matter of how you build your team like if you want to do the point. rebuilding or the productive struggle out of the gate um Najee harris is a perfect guy to be grabbing uh who can allow you to maybe compete while building for the future uh I guess uh, when you when you've built that future, he's hitting his prime. Yeah, right. And so I think you're going to see Najee Harris go ahead of someone like Christian McCaffrey and the majority of startups that you participate in. But I'm just not sure that's the correct answer if you're going for first place instead of third place. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, So what about Javante? Javante Williams, Um, man, that guy is very, uh, very highly touted in the dynasty community right now. Like this guy is ranked as the top five running back in a ton of sets of rankings that I've observed. So, you know, I'd say sell him. I mean, why not? Because Melvin Gordon could be back. Melvin Gordon is an unrestricted free agent. We didn't touch on him off the top because we're going to talk about this backfield. And I just think there's a lot of hurdles for Javante Williams to deliver on an ADP. That's going to unequivocally be a top 10 running back in in a dynasty startup so i just can't pay those prices because i i imagine there's going to be a whole new system in there because fangio's out and who knows what happens to that offense going forward in denver Mm -hmm. we know the quarterback play is suspect they also have a plethora of you know receiving weapons on that team uh from jerry judy to Cortland sutton to kj hamler to noah fanta a-ok like the you go up and down that list yeah so we've seen that there, you know, the, the GM was fine to watch the, the two man committee there and Melvin Gordon looked pretty stout, I would say. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I, I just think there's a lot of hurdles for Javante Williams, even though what he did, especially in the tackle breaking department uh, was borderline historic as a rookie. And it's exactly what we expected coming out. of yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, to your point, like he had the second most missed tackles force on the season. Um, and he was the fifth most elusive running back in the league with a minimum of 100 rushing attempts. So um, that's like PFF data, and he was top 10 in 15-plus yard rushes. So not only was he making guys miss, and he was elusive when he was um, in the area of defenders, he was doing something with it after he would make those guys miss. So 
definitely a supreme talent and the situation is a big question um in in this past season with melvin gordon he did come out as the ppr running back 17 with almost identical rushing production to melvin gordon um he basically splits now yeah. split carries split production i think they were within two carries of each other or something yeah. like that Javante Williams had 14 more receptions though, touchdowns. and but Melvin Gordon had three more touchdowns uh, rushing than than did Javante Williams. So it was definitely an interesting situation. I think he still does have um, a pretty good ceiling, even if Melvin Gordon or another running back of note is in the fold. He did have three games of 20 plus PPR points, so he gives you that ceiling. But the floor is just a lot less safe if he has that other guy. Eight of his 16 games this year were under 10 PPR points. So to your point, for those running back, like top, you know, top eight, top 10 running back prices. Yeah, it's just you're so not expensive. getting you're not getting what you're paying. Like we like Javante Williams, but you're not getting what you're paying Love for. He's uh, so young, I think too. his talent's going to shine through long term. You know, something like a Deshaun Watson ends up going there and his situation is looking freaking rosy as all hell but it's hard to get him into that he's my dynasty top 12 and i think that's fair you know what i mean i think some of these other guys just have more production coming in the next two to three years than we might see from javante williams so that's kind of where i'm sitting with him i think if melvin gordon left and he was 100 percent the guy then i think he probably moves into that running back seven to nine range for me and i can kind of get on board but i think that's the point where everyone else is moving in him into like top three yeah which is a little bit too rich for my butt as well but still love javante top 12 is definitely not a slight on him by any and i just means. think there there's literally less than a handful of situations left in the nfl as we stand here today in 2021 uh that allow just one guy to take such a big piece of the pie you know what i mean and i'm just not sure i'm ready to say 22 year old or 20 how old is he's so young super young yeah, i think he's 22 yeah he's just so young <laughs> <laughs> that I just don't know if Javante is going to be the guy that they're going to heap everything on, especially because that Denver team might not be the most competitive team in 2022. Yeah, so there's just no sure. point in, you know, heaping the Najee Harris load on a, on a non-playoff team. Right? <laughs> Phrasing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Heap it on, man. Heap it on. Um, so the last guy we're going to chat about, Ty, we've got, we've got a whole bunch more on the docket on the show sheet and we're going to try and find a way to get that content out. Cause there's some really good stuff left to talk about, but we're running at a buck 17 on the epi here. So the last guy we're going to talk about is going to be a hot name. So this is a good guy to end on. And that's DeAndre Swift, Ty. Um, I think like if he puts together a full slate of games, this guy is a monster. I have him currently as my running back six in Dynasty. And that could be a little bit low. In each of his first two seasons, DeAndre Swift has pl played 13 games. So he's missed like a few games per season. But he's had top 17 finishes in both seasons, 17 last year, 15 this year, running back 10 this season in points per game with 16.2. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, that injury bug is hit. But what do you think about DeAndre Swift's standing as somebody who could come into the elite tier of running backs? Do you think he's somebody who you're going to say is going to be that in the next two to three years? Or do you have uh, more question marks around that than I might? No, I think it is trending in the right direction with DeAndre Swift. I think it was as much about the offensive coordinator change. Uh, like, I just think Detroit uh, did a lot of things this season that helped DeAndre Swift score a lot of fantasy points because he is really getting used in the passing game where he's most dangerous. Uh, and his ability to make people miss is, you know, well-documented. Yeah. It's yards after the catch per reception, all that stuff. But he also almost 20% of the team's targets uh, in his That's sophomore season. So. Amazing. That's amazing. And Detroit, just all their guys are free agents. Like ever, they don't have wide receivers on this roster yeah. heading into 2022. 
outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, who obviously came on really strong at the end of the season. A lot of that was, of course, without DeAndre Swift in the in the mm-hmm. lineup. So I think DeAndre Swift has all the tools to be an elite running back in the league. And I think the offense being so putrid in Detroit right now is the only thing holding him back from uh you know definitive top five status in dynasty, even though I do have him ranked, I think, as a top five quarterback in my dynasty room. Yeah, and like I think he's I think that that should all come to fruition. Like some things that we would like to see for him, we would like to see that offense kind of remain a funnel between him and Am- Amon Ross St. Brown if those two stay healthy and stay on the field with each other. Um, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen long term at the quarterback position with Jared Goff, but I think Jared Goff is a good thing for DeAndre Swift because he peppers him with targets. DeAndre Swift, I think, was fourth among running backs in targets in only 13 games played. Um, and we want to see that maintained. And I think that comes along with them not necessarily being able to bring in a whole ton of wide receiver weapons and having Jared Goff, who's not going to, you know, maintain uh, three top 30 wide receivers. You know what I mean? He's going to have one, maybe two top 30 wide receivers, and he's going to have a running back who's soaking up targets. So we want to see that. I think they're going to invest in the quarterback position in the next couple of drafts, but I also think that they're going to want to have DeAndre Swift be a focal point of this offense. So I think he's firmly cemented, even if he's going to give you some boomer bust play the next season or two, I think there will be some consistency to come provided he can stay healthy. Agreed. DeAndre. DeAndre Day. Um, all right, Ty. So that's all she wrote on this episode. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors, uh, monkey knife fight that promo codes TNFF instant match on your first deposit up to a hundy. These bad boys here, trophy smack given the best hardware for leagues. It's the off season. This is the time to level up your leagues folks. Promo code TNFF will get you a free championship ring with the purchase of a championship belt like this one right here or a championship trophy the customization on these things is just insane go check out the website trophysmack.com use that promo code tnff there's also links to it on our website truenorthffb.com you can check it out there's some direct links that go through to some of the stuff on there so please go check it out that is the best way to support us is by supporting the people that support us so trophy smack monkey knife fight and of course our friends at the fantasy points media group early bird special is going on another big piece of that is the discord channel that they provide that is direct access to all of those great names who like ty said earlier are are invested as owners of this company so they are not going anywhere they um this is their blood sweat and tears um and it's cool to be able to have such quick access to people who are so highly regarded in the fantasy industry, such as all of the folks at fantasypoints.com. So their discord alone to me is worth the subscription and uh, all the other benefits and the tools and the resources and the articles are just uh, kind of uh, uh, extra, extra padding to that uh, beautiful deal that you've got over there at fantasypoints.com. So like I said, lots more running back content. We're going to try and find something. Life is just busy right now, Ty. It's really hard to like, it's hard to try and plan for a second episode, but and you're trying to enjoy the the real life NFL playoffs yep. along with compiling data from this past season and contextualizing it all. So it's a it's a balancing act for sure. But we love to stay on top of these running backs because there's so much uh, uncertainty ahead. There's ambiguity at the running back position heading into every off season. It's also the position that uh, presents hits yeah. from late in fantasy drafts and always that's not outs. always true with all the positions so 
we love to stay on top of these running backs. We're going to talk about guys like Elijah Mitchell in further depth, uh, Clyde Edwards, Lair, probably Damian Harris, Michael Carter, totally Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, Travis Etienne, uh, Travis JK Etienne Dobbins, yeah. all those, all, all that, all those guys and the bag of chips. Yeah. Tie. I think Travis Etienne is <laughs> probably one of the biggest buys in dynasty right now. Absolutely. We saw Cam Akers flash a little bit in the playoffs for the Rams as well, getting the one a work there, which was interesting to see. So uh, lots is a changing on the running back landscape and we're here to break it down for you. So if, uh, if we don't get another one hammered out this week, we're going to do a lot of that throughout the off season. We're going to have some killer guests coming on. Um, so, you will know, you'll get some opinions from some folks that are smarter than us. Um, but Ty, uh, you know, truenorthffb.com is the site. True North FFB is the socials. Do you have any parting shots for the people? No, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you listening. Please give it a subscribe. Give us some comments and let's get interacting. It's the off season. It's trade time. We want some trade questions. We want all of that stuff. So bring it on and uh, let's get connecting. Thanks so much for the support. We will talk to you next week. Peace.